Hey, everybody. Anybody remember when I was here before? You can't forget a face like this. I mean, a couple of you. Okay. It's great to be back again with you. And uh, my wife and I came in about midnight last night into West Palm, and uh, we're going to be here for a few days. And uh, what a privilege to be here at Boulevard on a Sunday night and having a nice crowd like this. Praise God for that. Um, I brought my orchestra in a box, so if you don't mind, I'm going to go get it. It's actually in a box. It's not a box. It's in a circle. Anybody know what this is? Good. Um, it's an orchestra in a can. What that means is it's listening to me and it's going to obey. All right. I'd like to share, share one song with you before I get into the Word. And um, it's a song that was written by a friend of mine by the name of Don Wurtzen. Anybody know Don Wurtzen? The son of, for you old people, Jack Wurtzen, who is now with the Lord. It's a very simple song, a powerful message. And uh, I'm going to ask you to sing a verse with me after I get into this for a little bit. Okay, here it is. First of all, i got to find it. This thing doesn't keep it. I'll be with you in a minute. Okay, I gotta spell it right. Okay, find. No, that's not the one. That's not the one I wanted. Just a minute. I'm sorry. There now, there it is. Okay, here it is. Is that good? All right. Yesterday, today, tomorrow. Okay. Yesterday he died for me Yesterday 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 he died for me Yesterday Yesterday he died for me Died for me this is history today he lives for me he lives he lives today he lives for me today today he lives for me Lives for me. This, this is victory. Tomorrow he comes for me. He comes, he comes. Tomorrow he comes for me. He comes, tomorrow He comes for me, comes for me, this is mystery. Sing with me the last verse. Oh friend, do knew you know Him, know Him, 
friend, do you know him? Know him, oh friend, do you know him? You know him, Jesus Christ the Lord. Jesus Christ the Lord. Jesus Christ the Lord. Good question tonight. It's not do you know about him. That's not what the song said. Do you know him? You know, I know about the president. I know about my congressman, but I don't know them, really. This is do you know him? Okay. Your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray together, shall we? Heavenly Father, as we open your word and as we share, Lord, just open our hearts and minds that we wouldn't be distracted by other things. And Lord, my prayer tonight would be that we we leave here more like our Savior Jesus Christ than when we came in. Lord, we thank you for the fact that you died for us. We thank you that you rose again. We're not going to some place to remember somebody that just died We thank you. You're alive, and not only alive, but you're coming back to be with us, to change us, to be like yourself. The Scripture tells us we shall be changed, we'll be like him, for we shall see him as he is. What a fantastic day. What a wonderful hope we have. Lord, as we look around us, we recognize that this world, even our nation's in trouble. And Lord, we know that you're there. You have not forsaken us. You have not abandoned us. Lord, help us to heed your word and to love you and, by the way, love each other. Lord, we thank you for this evening, for all who've come. In Jesus' name we give thanks. Amen. As some of you know, I um, worked in the Pentagon for about 15 years, and uh, now I've retired for almost exactly 15 years. That makes me about 45. And uh, I, I just lied there. I'm sorry I didn't mean that. But... I um, just celebrated my 75th birthday, and we're still chugging. So thank for that, and we just celebrated our 50th anniversary. So I got married when I was eight. What? Come on, guys. Do you teach arithmetic down here or not? 25. That's right. Okay, good. But anyway, I'm still working with uh, Release Time Bible Education. How many have ever heard of Release Time? I, some of you. I talked about it last time I was here a couple of years ago. We celebrated our 100th anniversary of Release Time Bible Education this past year. The 100th anniversary. And uh, we also celebrated the fact that um, we have over 375,000 public school students getting out of public school at least once a week for Bible training during the school day. And we would like to have this go across the entire country. And now some other organizations have decided that they like what we're doing and they're starting Satan clubs. I'm not kidding. Satan clubs. Okay. And uh, so uh, we are watching and praying because we are convinced that greater is he that is in us than he that is class in the world. Right. So don't forget it. If you see somebody starting up one of these Satan clubs, recognize that he that is in us is greater than he that's in the world. So we're thankful for God raising this up. 
Very quickly, what we do is, first of all, we pray that God will raise up people that have this burden to reach our young people. Instead of complaining about what's going on in the schools, why don't we do something about it? You know, somebody used to tell me, Jim, after all is said and done, more is said than done. And it's true. You know, God has a sense of humor. I, when we came down last night, my wife always liked to sit by the window in the plane, and I like to sit by the aisle. Okay, so if I need to hit the john or walk around, get my legs exercised, I can get it without bothering anybody. So we always have the center seat. So the, it was a packed plane, and as, that, as, it had, as it happened, this lady sat next to me and um, didn't recognize that my wife and I were sort of in different seats. And um, so anyway, my wife started talking with her, and then eventually um, she said, well, that's my husband over there. Oh, okay, I didn't realize. You want to sit? No, 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 I don't want to sit next to my wife. You sit there. No. So anyway, so anyway, um, it turns out uh, I talked to this lady a little bit, and I said, what do you do? What, what, is your, what kind of work are you in? She says, well, I'm the um, sort of the second in command. I don't know what she called it, but the number two person in charge of the school systems in West Palm Beach. Thank you, Lord. You know. So for, for a couple of hours, I had the chance to sit next to this lady who had a very prominent position in the school system, and I shared with her about the open door of release time Bible education. She says, I'd never heard of that. I said, well, uh, let me tell you a little bit about it. And I went on for quite a while, maybe longer than I should have, but I wanted to share with her the opportunities that are there for people to um, not only get out of school, Okay, some kids come because it's getting out of school, let's face it, but they eventually hear the gospel. Okay, whatever reason, they hear the gospel. And uh, many of these kids come to Christ the first year that they come to our program. In fact, the numbers we have right now are between 16 to 18 percent of these kids that have never heard the gospel before trust Christ as their Savior the first year they come to Release Time Bible Education. You know, folks, I'm convinced that many people have never ever heard the gospel in the United States of America. I just point to my parents, my mom and dad. They were raised in a mainline, quote-unquote, Protestant church, okay? My mom, um, they went to church Christmas time and Easter and Good Friday. That's what they did, good Christians, Okay. My mom told me just before she passed away, she said, um, and she died of cancer a few years ago. And she says, Jimmy, she called me Jimmy, sorry about that. She said, Jimmy, I got to tell you something about my upbringing. She said, you know, we went to this, and it's not important what church, but one of the mainline churches. And she said, to me, up to, I um, became a teenager, uh, I think 11th grade in high school, she said, all I knew about Christianity was um, that we got Christmas presents at, at Christmas time. We got presents when we went to church. And at Easter time, I always liked the candy. We got candy. And then Good Friday, I had to be sad, but I wasn't quite sure why. That was the extent of her faith, basically. And here she's sitting there, you know, not absorbing, not understanding, not hearing the gospel, but just hearing stuff that's sort of religious. Fortunately, her girlfriend from high school by the name of Margaret Paul, um, said, uh, Elizabeth, there's a evangelist that's coming to my church. And she said, I'd love to have you come with me to hear him. He's known all over the country. He was on radio 
Back then, his name was Percy Crawford. Maybe some of you have heard of Percy Crawford, the founder of the King's College where my wife and I met. And she said, so I went. And she said, this preacher preached something I'd never heard of before, that I'm a sinner and Jesus loves me and he wants to forgive my sin and make me his child. She said, I never heard that before. She said, when he gave the invitation, she said, I literally ran to the front of the church to trust Christ as my Savior. She said, that night my life was turned inside out and upside down. And I have never been the same since. Why? Just because some girl said, hey, Elizabeth, we got this preacher that everybody's heard about, but we haven't seen before. Why don't you come with me? That changed her entire life. Just that one invitation. My dad, when he was, I think it was 16 years old, um, he heard about this hayride up in the Catskill Mountains. You know, he lived up in the northern part of New York State. Heard about this hayride. A 16-year-old boy, what's he interested in? Hey, right? Not really. What's he interested in? Having a good time, right? And, oh, by the way, there might be some girls. Yeah. Okay. And that's what Dad said. He says, I was going there because they're going to have some girls there. We're gonna, you know, maybe I'll meet somebody. You know, you never know. And my dad shared this with me. He said, Jim, there was a preacher there by the name of, finish the sentence, Percy Crawford. Totally different meeting. You know, totally different venue. This is up in the mountains. And he said that we had the hayride, had a good time, had some, uh, we had some cider and donuts and the whole thing, you know, played some games. And then after that, we had a, like a, I think it was like a fireside meeting. And he said, I heard something I'd never heard before, that God loves me. And he wants to forgive me and make me his child. He said, I never heard that before. I'd heard a lot of religious stuff, but I'd never heard the gospel that God loves me, that I'm a sinner, that I need to receive what he's done for me on the cross of Calvary. And that night, my dad became a Christian, trusted Christ. And not long after that, mom and dad met. They started dating and got engaged. She was married when she was 16 years old. And dad was uh, 18, I think, 18 and a half. Okay. So that's my parents. Okay. There's millions of people in that same boat. Okay, millions that have never heard the gospel. So what I would like to do tonight is to just talk a little bit about what the scripture has told us, what we are. And then I want to share with you. I usually like to do this uh, when there's a lot of young people, because I think you have a lot of folks that you meet that maybe you could use these uh, thoughts with. But we are told to be salt and we are told to be light. Right? The scripture talks a lot about salt, and it talks a lot about light. Okay? Now, how much salt do you need to put on your food in order to have an impact? A pinch, right? Just, just a pinch. What happens if you're shaking it and the top of the salt shaker comes off? It's called toss it in the trash, right? You, can, you can't scrape enough off to make it palatable anymore. Just a little bit of salt makes a tremendous difference. And the scripture tells us that we should be the salt in this earth. We should be the one that makes the difference. We don't need crowds of people out there. 
Remember the early church, only a few people were out there and they turned the world, what? Upside down, it says. They didn't have the Internet, by the way. Maybe you thought they did. They didn't have the Internet. They didn't have all this other stuff that we have today to get the word out. They had their voices and their feet. That's what they had. And, of course, they had prayer and the Holy Spirit to go along with it. Okay? So salt is so important. Okay? It doesn't take... So you feel, Jim, you know, I can't make any difference. I mean, I'm just one person. Okay? I don't have a lot of skill. I don't have a lot of talent. The Bible does not talk about that ability at all. All it asks for is availability. That's it. Availability. Remember Moses, the burning bush? And God says out of that bush, Moses, I want you to go and set my people free. And Moses had a whole bunch of reasons why I can't. Remember that? I've been out here. I've been feeding all these sheep for 40 years. You know, I've almost forgotten how to speak, you know, Hebrew. I don't even, you know, if I go back there, I don't even know what, I don't know what to say. And then the Lord every time comes back and says, Moses, try another one. It's not going to work on me. And then he says, well, but, but, but I, I, I can't really, I can't, I just can't, I can't, I can't speak very well. You know, people can't, won't even be able, to, be able to understand me. The Lord says, I will speak through your mouth. I will speak for you. That's not a good one. Okay. And then the final excuse I love. It finally, the truth comes out. He says, sort of in these words, sort of paraphrased, I just don't want to go. <laughs> Lord, and then he said, Lord, I don't want to go. You can't say Lord, and I don't want to go in the same sentence. Okay? You can say, I don't want to go, but don't say Lord, because that means you're not treating him as Lord. And finally, we know the rest of the story, right? God sent him and led him, went before him, and what happened? He was instrumental in leading those hundreds of thousands of people, if not millions, out of slavery in Egypt into the promised land. Of course, it wasn't a perfect trip, as you remember. They spent lots of years out there in the wilderness wandering why God taught them all sorts of interesting things. We're also not only salt, but we are light. Okay, now I happen to have in my pocket here. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's one of these. Oh, yeah, turn it off. All the way, all the way off. Okay, I think we have a winner. <laughs> we'll be right back after this word from our sponsor. Okay. All right. Just a little bit of light goes a long ways. Okay. I can spread it out like that. Okay. Doesn't do a lot of, a lot of good, but when you start focusing in, it makes a big impact. Just one little flashlight. Okay. Okay, turn it back on. It didn't take much time. The point is, we were also asked to be light. It doesn't take a lot of light, okay, to make an impact. In fact, I don't know if you knew this, but during the World War II, when these uh, Navy men were on their ships, you were not even allowed to smoke if you were out on the deck. You go, why? Because of a fire hazard? No. Why do you think they couldn't smoke out there? What's that? U-boats, they could see just the, the end of a cigarette. They could see from almost a mile away if it was a clear night. You were not allowed to smoke. So just a little bit of light can make a huge difference. Okay. 
So what I'm trying to encourage all of us is this. We are going to be in the minority. Okay? We're never going to be the, the majority. Okay? But yet God says we are salt and we are light. Two things that can make an impact. By the way, neither one of them makes noise. Okay? Salt doesn't make any noise, but it's very effective. And light doesn't make any noise either. But it also has a big impact. Okay? So you don't have to go out there and make a lot of noise and, and fuss. But it's living the life. It's speaking the truth. It's being available at all times. Being available for Christ. That's what's important. You know, we're facing an, an election. A very, very important election. And you're going to say, well, who are you voting for? I'm not going to tell you. Maybe you can guess. But the question is, should we be involved in government? I've talked to many Christians, and I'm amazed how many have told me something like this. Jim, I can't vote for either one of them. I'm just going to stay home. No, 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 no. Examine the scripture. What does this say about people that should be our leaders, our national leaders? Integrity. Their value system. How they comport themselves. Do they tell the truth? Do their values match what the scripture has to say about marriage? About the role of the family? The role of government? How do we handle money? Do we have freedom to worship? Every one of us, we have about, about two and a half weeks or something like that. I don't know what the number is. But I encourage everyone to take time. Listen to the debate on, on Wednesday night after this. Do you have a Wednesday night service? Watch the debate. Take notes. And pray that God will give you wisdom to know how to vote. By the way, if you're not registered, I don't even know it might be too late to vote. I don't know. Is it too late to register? We'll try anyway. No, no, I didn't say that. No, don't do that. But it's so important to vote. Now, the last uh, few minutes uh, this evening before we finish, I had about 10 pages of notes here. I'm not going to use them because I really feel it's much more important to talk uh, about how do we share our faith with other people. Um, we're always told, make sure you Proclaim the gospel. You know, make sure you're out there telling the world about Christ. And the answer is right. Amen. So, okay, you told me to, but how? How do, how do, how do I do that? You know, I'm just one person here and, you know, I'm in eighth grade or I'm in retired or I'm whatever the Phyllis finished the sentence. Let me suggest about ten things. Okay, if you've got a piece of paper and pencil, you might want to write these down. They're not profound, but I think they'll be helpful. Okay. All right, number one. We need to recognize that we're not going to go do something for God. Okay? I've heard people say, I'm going to do something for God. Well, if you're going to try to do something for God, it's not going to work. Okay? If you're doing it in your own strength, you're not going to do something for God. He does it through you. Okay? John chapter 15. Let's go there for just a bit. John chapter 15. And I think the analogy is perfect. The vine and the branches. You know the verses, I'm sure, most of you. So, But just stay with me here. 
John 15, verse 1, the Scripture says, and this is Jesus' words. If you have a Bible with red print, this should be red print because it's His words. I, Jesus, am the true vine, and my Father is the husband or the vine dresser, the person that trims the branches or prunes them. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he purgeth it. Every, every, take, um, he taketh away, okay? And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the, in the vine. No more can ye, except you abide in me. In other words, you're not out there singing solo, Okay? His Holy Spirit is with you, speaking through you, with you, giving you thoughts, and helping you have Scripture brought to your mind. I am the vine, you are the branches. Keep that in mind. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do some things. doesn't say that. You can do zero, nothing, nada, nothing. So let's remember, as we live our lives, if we're not connected to the vine, we're not going to get any fruit. We have vines out in the back of our house in Maryland, three kinds of grapes, white grapes, concrete grapes, and red grapes. And my wife loves to prune, and sometimes she prunes them back to the point where they look like they're never going to come back. I mean, just a little stubble. I mean, honey, what are you doing, you know? And next year, big crop of grapes. Why? Because the life is not in the branches. The life is in the vine. And if the branches are cut from the vine, the branches don't bear anything. But if it's connected to the vine, wow, fruit. All right, so number one, we need to recognize the fact that he's the vine, I'm a branch, okay? And I'm connected to the vine if I know him as Savior. All right, number two, recognize that his word will not return void. His word will not return void. He doesn't promise that my words won't return void. Okay. So as you're sharing your faith, share the word. He promises to honor his word. Okay. So make sure as you're talking to someone about Christ that you use the words of Christ. There is the words of Scripture. Okay. Here's another point. As you're sharing the gospel with whoever you're speaking with, expect them to respond. You say, what? Jim, wait a minute. Tilt. No, listen carefully. If we have the attitude that's going on in our head like this, um, Bill, I know you're not going to like what I have to say here. You know, this is very religious. And I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you, but you're not going to like this. Okay. You probably heard it 50 times before, maybe more. And, but I sort of told him at, at the chapel that I'm going to do this because this is what we have to do. And I've got to go back and tell how many people I spoke to. Okay. You, you, you get the point? No. We are the proud owners of a um, rainbow vacuum cleaner. Why are we the vac- proud vacuum Anybody else own a rainbow besides us? No, nobody else can afford one, right? It's about $1,500. They don't mow the grass. You know, they, all they do is vacuum pretty much. You know, Why are we owners of a $1,500 vacuum? Because the, the salesman was really, really excited about it. 
And it was also our son, by the way. <laughs> no, but <laughs> we were his first customer. But the point is, when you, when you share the gospel, it could be they've never, ever heard it before. Okay? Don't go up to someone and say, you've probably heard this before, but I'm going to say it again just because I have to. You know, this is the most exciting news they will ever hear. Okay, so expect God to work. His word will not return void. Okay, so share the gospel. Share relevant verses of scripture. I mean, don't you don't have to share? And Judas went out and hung himself. You know, you don't want to. You know, those kind of verses. But there are some good news verses out there um, that are very relevant to the gospel. Okay, all right. Next, pray. You say. That's not too profound. Do you realize that as you're talking to someone, you can also be praying at the same time? I discovered this in a very strange way. Anybody ever heard Dr. Robert A. Cook of the King's College? How in the world are you? The radio program, Walk with the King and Be a Blessing. I used to travel with him when I was at King's, and what a fantastic time we had. And uh, I used to direct the singing and uh, do some music, and he would preach all over the, the eastern part of the country. And I would sit in the suicide seat, and he'd be driving in his big Buick, you know. And uh, and invariably, before we get to the church, wherever it was, uh, in northern Jersey and southern New York State and up in New England, wherever it was, he'd say, Jim, um, why, don't you, why don't you lead in prayer before we get there? So I'd sit there, and I'd you know, dutifully bow my head and start praying. And as soon as I said, on this particular occasion, I finished and I said, Amen, he started to pray. So I kept my head bowed like this, and he's praying on and on and on. And all of a sudden, my mind started going, whoops, this guy knows the road awful well. Or he's asking for an accident. Or he's driving with his eyes open. So just at that point, I looked up, and he happened to be looking down at me. And he shouted, Lord, forgive my brother of little faith. You know, So, so obviously, he was driving with his eyes open. Is there a command in Scripture to pray with your eyes closed only? No. Where did this come from? It came from the early church where they were being told to worship some kind of an idol or something. And many times the Christians would turn away. And, of course, in turning away, their eyes were closed and they would pray while they're doing that. And that's sort of, you know, also, of course, Scripture talks about bowing the head and so on. But the point is there's not a requirement to bow your head when you're praying. Okay, or close your eyes for that matter. So you can be talking to someone and, and just praying, Lord, bring that verse to my mind that would help me communicate this truth to this person. Okay? So you can be praying while you're sharing your faith. Okay? All right, here's another one. Eschew obfuscation. Really very important. Okay? What are you looking at me funny? E S C H E W. Okay. O-B-F-U-S-C-A-T-I-O-N. Anybody help me there? Anybody? What does that mean? It doesn't mean don't eat chocolate or anything like that. Hmm? Yeah. Use, don't use confusing language. That's what it means. Okay. Now, some of us who have been around for a long time and we've been in the Word a little bit, we start using these long words like redemption and propitiation and sanctification. We know what they mean. But these people sometimes either don't have a clue or they have another definition which is totally different than what we're talking about. So as you're sharing the gospel, use words that they can understand. That doesn't mean you use gutter talk, but you use words that are as clear as they can be. What, what language did Jesus speak? Anybody? I'll ask one of the elders. 
Aramaic. Now, why would he speak Aramaic? Why wouldn't he speak High Greek? Because that's not what the people really understood. Okay? So as we go out, we don't have to speak, let me talk to thou. You know? You use language that these people can understand, okay? And, and respectful, too. I mean, it's not just some gutter talk, as I said, but use language that they can understand. Okay. Just a couple more and we'll be done. Okay. They're going to ask, or they're going to try to challenge you sometimes, saying, well, the church is full of hypocrites, you know, the Bible's full of mistakes and stuff like that. I can't believe this thing. And, you know, it's, eh, you know. Uh, so what do you say when somebody brings up an excuse about contradictions or uh, I, I don't believe in the flood or, I, you know, whatever it happens to be? What do you say? What do you do? Well, let me suggest one thing that I do, which seems to work most of the time. You know, why don't you try it on me? Go ahead. A little conversation. Go ahead, brother. I've just gotten done talking to you and you really don't want to hear anymore and you're going to go ahead. Well, that's a, that's a good question. That's a good question. And if you'll wait just a couple minutes, I'm going to answer that, okay? Let me just finish what I was going to say, and then I'll get back to that, okay? Just a simple acknowledgement. Thank you. Thank you for bringing that up. Instead of, man, I wish you hadn't brought that up. Oh, man, see you around, you know. No. You acknowledge the fact, thank you for asking that question. It shows you're at least thinking, okay? Now, what does that do for you? One, it gives you time to finish what you're presenting. You want to finish the gospel message. And many times what I found is people just threw that up as a smoke screen anyway. It wasn't really legitimate. But they've heard somebody else say it, maybe. So it enables you to finish the gospel. And I found many times, well, not many times, but sometimes, um, they won't even bring it up later because it was just a smoke screen to begin with. Okay. But secondly, it gives you time to pray. Lord, give me the right words to say to this person so that I can answer their question in an honest and, and you know, understandable way. But also, by the way, when you do finish and they still have that question, the worst thing you can do is sort of make up an answer that's not true. Like, well, I think it's in Hezekiah 14. Yeah, I think it's in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, just say, listen, I, I can't really answer that. I know there's an answer. I know there's an answer for it. Let me get back to you. Give me your email address. Give me your phone number, whatever. And I will. In fact, we can get together for lunch tomorrow. I can talk to you about it. OK, the point is these these excuses that people bring up are typically excuses. They're really not legitimate arguments in most cases. So just acknowledge it. Hey, listen, thanks for bringing it up. And let me try to finish as soon as I get done finishing what I was. You know, let me try to answer it once I'm done presenting. OK, now here's a real blockbuster one that I think uh, you can always use. Share your testimony. Share your testimony. They can argue all they want about the legitimacy of this Bible. Ah, it's full of errors, you know, and this, this, you know, and I don't believe that, you know, what they said about uh, the, the, the flood or the, I can't believe that the, the Bible says it was, the world was made in seven days, blah, blah, blah. You know, on and on they go, okay? Um, but one thing that you cannot, nobody can take away from you is your testimony. What God has done in your life, Okay. Now, before I met the Lord, you know, I was into drugs, I was into sex and alcohol, and then I trusted Christ at the age of six. <laughs> you know, my testimony is not very dramatic, okay? I was raised in a Christian home, okay? Never been into that stuff I just said, okay? But some people feel that in order to have a dramatic testimony, you've got to have that, all that drama before you know, you trusted Christ as Savior. Wrong. Okay. 
I was just a little sinner, that's all. At the age of six, I came home from a Sunday evening service from the chapel up in Schenectady, New York. And I don't remember what the message was about, but I couldn't get to sleep because I knew I was a sinner. And I knew if something happened to me, um, I knew where I'd be in hell. So my sister could hear me uh, in the other room. and her, you know, Our bedrooms were upstairs in this uh, Cape Cod house. And she said, Jimmy, what's the matter? And I told her I couldn't, told her the situation. She said, why don't you go down and wake up Dad? So I did. About midnight, I went down knocked on the bedroom door. My dad got up and said, you know, asked me what the situation was. And I told him, he said, Jim, let's take care of it right now. He got his big Bible out. We knelt down next to the bed. And he led me to Christ on uh, March 6th of 1948. That was a turning point in my life. I was just a little sinner, but I needed Christ. Maybe you have a much more dramatic testimony that you can share. Don't make it bigger than it really is. Don't exaggerate it to make it exciting. But God has given us a testimony that nobody can take away from you. Remember the blind man? Not very eloquent. All I can tell you is, I was blind, but now I can see. That's all I can tell you. You know? Not even a seven-part sermon. Just two pieces. This is what it was. This is what I am. Hello? Okay. We're almost done. Two more points. The church is important. You go, yeah, okay, I knew that. Wait a minute. Listen here carefully. We all get excited about children being born, okay? It's called obstetrics. When a person comes to Christ, it's all exciting, right? It really is. But you know what's really tough? Spiritual obstetrics. If you lead someone to Christ, guess what? We have a responsibility to make sure that person is fed and led. Okay, so they're not let off the track because this is where the cults really, really shine. This person's excited about their faith. You know, they really want to get into whatever they need to get into in the Word. And all of a sudden, these people just grab a hold of these excited new Christians and lead them astray. We have a responsibility to also not only obstetrics, but to follow up with uh, with, with, the, uh, with the pediatrics, okay? Not just obstetrics. We need to make sure these people get into Bible-believing fellowships, okay? They get into the Word. They have fellowship. That's why we have a thing called the church, so we can have fellowship one with the other. You know, we have three fireplaces in our house up north. You don't need them down here, I guess. But, boy, it was pretty hot when we got off the plane. It was like 80 degrees. But, anyway, I like fireplaces. But we have figured out how to build a fire in a fireplace now. You can't do it with one log. You've got to have at least three to really have a fire. Okay, even that's not very many. And so, even so, as we have fellowship, we, we need other Christians to have fellowship with, to encourage and to edify and to, you know, just help along the way. Okay? So, these new Christians need fellowship. Now, the last point I would suggest is this. You can't share something you don't already have. Did you get that one? That's an important one. I know people that want to go out sharing their faith, but they don't have any themselves. It's just sort of something to do, and they can come back and brag about it. And, um, you know, if I had a peanut butter cup up here, you know, I love peanut butter cups, you know. Um, 
fact, if I had one, I probably wouldn't share it with you. But anyway, but I love Reese's peanut butter. Anybody else like Reese's peanut butter? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But in Florida, that's a problem because it's so hot down here. You can't really hold on to it very long because it's melted. But you can't share something you don't have yourself. You can talk about it. Okay. But it's important that you know this one that we're talking about. You know, in fact, I spoke at the, um, believe it or not, the state convention retreat of the Episcopal Church. You say, Jim, what in the world has happened to you? Well, somebody heard me speak at some conference and they said, oh, yeah, you've got to invite Jim O'Brien. We'd love to have him come. So they asked me without even asking any, you know, any background, any nothing. I said, sure, I'll come. I, I go wherever people invite me to come as long as I can say what I want to say. So uh, anyway, that was quite an interesting weekend. Six times I spoke, and the two priests also came, the Episcopal priests. So, um, I preached the gospel, you know, and that was my last point, by the way. You can't share something you don't have yourself. So my hope and prayer is that all of us will be light, and all of us will be what? Salt. Now, remember, salt can do damage if there's too much of it, right? But a little bit of salt can be very savory and can add a lot of flavor. But salt also is a preservative, okay? It does good. And, of course, light is also good, but it's also bad if there's too much of it. I work at the Pentagon. We have laser weapons. Too much light, you can burn holes through steel, okay? So we've got to use it wisely, okay? We've got to behave ourselves so that we bring glory to the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Let me just close with this little illustration. Anybody ever heard of Camp Berea? I'm sure you have, you guys, right? Camp Berea? You've heard of it. You've never been there? You have? Okay. Get, get, get him up there. Okay. 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 You have not been to heaven, heaven until you've been to Bristol, New Hampshire. Right. But anyway, my wife and I used to go up there quite a bit. It's a beautiful, beautiful camp up in the middle of the uh, New Hampshire mountains. What's it called? The, Green, not, the White Mountains of New Hampshire. Yeah, Newfound Lake. It's crystal clear and cold as can be. My wife and I went up there to be a counselor for youth camp. It's called Hormoneville. You know, the hormones are going, you know. So anyway, we went down by the waterfront and... Uh, the kids were out there swimming and jumping off the raft and, you know, starting off their water skiing and so on. This one young fellow, maybe 14 or so, was not really mixing very well. I saw him standing by the rec hall there looking over the waterfront area. So I felt sort of maybe I'll just go up and say hi because he sort of looked like he couldn't figure out how to blend in with everybody. So I went over and I said, hey, how you doing? He says, uh, oh, okay. I said, and I saw this checkerboard there with a bunch of chess pieces. I said, uh, you, you, you play chess? He said, uh, well, yeah. I said, can we play? He says, you play? I said, well, little. He says, okay. So we set him all like this. And um, we started playing. And uh, I let him beat me. <laughs> he whooped me. Okay. So, so I said to him, I said, um, you want to play again? He sort of looked at me like, you've got to be kidding me. And I, I said, you want to play again? He said, uh, yeah, if you want to. I said, yeah, let's play again. So took the board and he started putting on the pieces everything was ready to go and the kings and the pawns and everything and I took the two kings off the board just for fun because I knew I couldn't lose okay I took two kings off I said uh, okay let's go he said whoa 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 whoa. no you can't you gotta have the king I said no why don't we play without the kings he said well I've never 
played that way. I said, let's see what happens. So we started playing and jumping in the ponds and the bristles and moving stuff around. And after about 15 minutes, he looked at me. He says, how do you know if you won? I said, I can't lose, though. He says, yeah, but, you know. So the game just sort of came to a, you know, like this. And I was thinking about that. You know, there's a lot of people who are playing this game of life without the king on the board. They're playing this king, this game, this strategic game, if you will. And they don't have the king in their life. You know, I don't know what my life would be if I did not know Christ as Savior. Okay? I mean, I've been through some rough times. And I was in the Pentagon and I was attacked on 9-11. Came close to being killed. And my office had been moved. If I hadn't been moved, I wouldn't be here. I'd be with the Lord. I've sat in the back seat of an F-16 going 7.8 Gs. I weighed a ton in the, in the plane as we were doing maneuvers. We could have crashed. We were actually we were trying to crash the plane. We were testing the automatic ground collision avoidance system. If somebody made a mistake with the software, we would have been a puddle on the ground. Been through some interesting times. But you know what? I can share with you this after 75 years of being around here. God has been faithful. God is love. God loves us so much. He gave His only begotten Son to die for us on the cross. And young people, older people, if you don't know this person called Jesus Christ as your Savior, man, don't let another day go by. I'm not kidding you. Okay? And if you know Him, make sure you share it. It's a crime not to share that good news with somebody else. If I had the cure for cancer and I didn't share it, I think I could be tried in the court of law. But why is it that we don't share the best news of all, even better than the cure for cancer? Okay, it's there. Let's close, shall we, in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for every person, every young person, every older person that's here tonight. Lord, you've died for us. You've paid the price. And Lord, help us now to be faithful. Help us to um, be that salt and that light that you command us to be. Help us to use it with discretion, with wisdom. Lord, we know the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So, Lord, help us to fear you. Not to be scared, but to look to you for wisdom and awe. Lord, we thank you for the finished work on the cross of Calvary. We, Lord, we look forward to the time when you're coming again. We don't know when it's going to be, but we feel it's soon. And help us to be ready and help us to be faithful unto the end. We thank you all and all God's people said, Amen. Thank you so much for the invite to be here.